This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have been waiting for a week to hear the beautiful, warm, cozy term from Her Highnessness, Her Royaltiness, Her Everything is Goodness, the one, the only Princess of Policy in America. Princess Di, Diana Me, and welcome to the show, Your Highness. We have been waiting for over a week, and we had to wait more. You know what it was? I cracked a joke about your lady-in-waiting, Mike, and he tacked my line. <laughs> Probably right, Sir James. <laughs> you are the Knight of the Golden Order. I have dubbed you that with all authority given to me. <laughs> and you have all the authority in the world to do so. <laughs> Okay, Diana, this was the week from hell mm-hmm. for the mainstream media. It where did it start? Did it start with the which was first? I'm I'm having a hard time remembering now. Was it was it the view that started this or was it CNN? It was the view, right? It was it came so fast and furious. I really don't remember the order, but part of that in there, don't forget, was the guilty verdict for Avenetti. That was part of this whole media debacle because, of course, the media loved him and he was part of their get Trump. You know, this was going to be their presidential candidate, they thought at the time. So his being found guilty for fraud was another part of the media debacle of the week. But I do not remember the order because there was so much. Okay. So let's start. Actually, let's start with Avenatti because I think the Avenatti verdict came either Thursday or Friday. So Avenatti now faces 22 years in jail. As you said, he was all over the place. I remember little Brian, what's his name, over at CNN. Stelter. Yeah, was, was, was trumpeting Avenatti as, oh, the, the, the next coming of the Lord, and, the next coming of their hero, Mr. Yeah. Avenatti. He was going to save everything. He was rabidly anti-Trump. And, the, and so ironically, what has happened, Stormy Daniels, who also was anti-Trump, gets in bed, so to speak, with Avenatti. She's in bed with Avenatti, and Avenatti strips her and robs her. And so now she's got to run to court because this guy, who's already been in jail for defrauding other people, um, represents himself, and he and his former bedmate, so to speak, Stormy (laughs) Daniels, face off in the court. He loses... Now he's got to go down, so to speak, for 22 years. 
Yes, and he stole three, two to three hundred thousand dollars from her. That was rightly hers as part of her book deal. And he is known for this. If you look back at his record, I mean, the guy is just a a thief, and he's been involved in a lot of shady deals for a long time. And I think Tucker Carlson correctly dubbed him as the creepy porn lawyer. I mean, that's basically what he was. The interesting story I read about Avenatti, which I have seen very little coverage of, was by Mark Judge. And you remember his name from the um, Kavanaugh hearings. He was brought into it as supposedly involved with the, you know, rape trains and all of that, which was all made up. And one of the witnesses brought forward was Michael Avenatti. Mark Judge wrote a piece in American Greatness this week and wondering where did his money come from? And he quoted Mark Penn, who was a Democrat operative and pollster, as basically saying that the money for Avenatti, the whole operation came from Hillary Clinton. So that to me is the most interesting. As you know, one of my principles, the princess principles is follow the money. And Avenatti's rise, it was just, you know, outsized rise for his talents. And he was all over the media, hundreds and hundreds of appearances at the time. He was supported by big money. And, you know, Mark Judge basically is pointing the finger at Hillary Clinton, which I think is really interesting. Well, Hillary went down to the, uh, this week with Ugh, the guilty version. <laughs> oh, that's not a fun thought. Uh, okay. Now, <laughs> all right. So let's turn our attention, shall we, to CNN? Hmm. Because there is so much here. So out of the blue, we get reports. Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN, this anti-Trump, this Trump-hating Jeff Zucker who turned this network into the one-note samba, we hate Trump and we're going to do everything we can to destroy Trump network, is out. He's gone. He's been fooling around with the help. And it (laughs) turns out that the help is, what's her name? Her name is last name uh, Go Lust. It looks Go like. Lust. <laughs> Go Lust. Her name is Allison Gollust, I think it's pronounced. But when you read it, it looks like Go Lust. Go Lust. Yes, Gollust. Okay. Now, where do we start with this? Because the first day it was like, oh, I'm quitting. Yeah, I should have reported it. I yeah, I've been having this affair and with 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 Miss Lust, Go Lust, Gollust, Go Lust. <laughs> We've been having an affair, and then Miss Golust writes a little thing and says, "Yeah, but you know, we only started the affair because of COVID. You know, we 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 were we were buddies up until then, and it looks like she was lying. And now there are calls for her to be investigated. I don't know what the investigation is supposed to prove. Other if she lied, she lied. I mean, okay." But then we get reports that, wait a minute, Chris Cuomo's name surfaces. And then it's, well, Chris Cuomo set this whole thing in motion because he's the one that's, that, that snitched that this affair was going on so he could get paid $18 million severance pay. Well, he ended up getting $9 million, apparently. But uh, CNN, talk CNN with me. What is going okay. on over at CNN? This is a Peyton Place story. I mean, everybody is sleeping with everybody else, as we know, and Rush used to point out, the incestuous relationship between the media and the Democrat Party. And this is 
partially a window into that, which is really ugly. But it, there are two princess principles in this story. One, follow the Marxism. And two, <laughs> follow the money. This started, believe it or not, when somebody gave the bat signal to get rid of Governor Cuomo. He was the love gov. He was riding high. He was success. And it looked like he was going to make a play for the 2024 presidential nomination on the Democrat Party. And it looked to me, this is my theory, that Letitia James, who was squad before there was squad, she is a leftist of the leftist. She originally came to power on the Working Families Party, which is communist. Do you know who else, by the way, is part of the Working Party's uh, party, the Working Families Party? Please tell me it's AOC. No. It is our wonderful San Francisco Attorney General, Prosecuting Attorney General, yes, Chesa Boudin, Boudin. who was raised by the buddy, terrorist buddy, palling around with terrorist Obama's friend, you know, the terrorist who trampled on the American flag and wished he had done more bombings. Okay, so he's also part of that same party. Well, in in what happened in the background is when Letitia got the signal to go after Cuomo to get rid of him for somebody, I think it is my friend, uh, Mrs. Obama, which you don't agree with. We can step that aside for now. But she went after Go- Governor Cuomo as part of the investigation for both the nursing home issue and the sexual, sexual harassment, harassment claims. And right. that's what finally brought him down, so to speak. But it was part of the investigation that Letitia James did. They uncovered emails between the brothers. Now, it was obvious they were working together because Governor Cuomo used to go on Chris Cuomo's show nightly, and they would laugh and joke about how wonderful the love gov was encountering Trump in the COVID thing. So they were obviously working together. And uh, so when it turned out that Chris Cuomo was also helping dig up dirt on the accusers, the sexual harassment accusers, that is when CNN led by Jeff Zucker, said, oh, this is a step too far. We are investigating and we can't have this. It's bringing disrepute upon CNN. Well, that is is hysterical anyway. (laughs) Bringing disrepute. CNN's middle name is disrepute. Yes. So, And their first name is fake news. Fake news, disrepute, CNN. There you go. And, okay, so it turned out that Chris Cuomo being fired by CNN for doing horrible things, had a clause in his contract, could not bring disrepute to the the organization. And so he was let being fired without his money. So here's the follow the money part. The Letitia James part was the follow the Marxism. This is the follow the money. He wanted his 18 million he was owed by contract. Chris Cuomo wasn't going to get his 18 million. And so because the entire media Democrat Party operates on mutual assured destruction, which is the mud they have, the dirt they have on each other, said, oh, yeah, I bring disrepute. I was too close to my brother. Let me tell you who else was close to my brother. And it turns out the dirt he had was Jeff Zucker was in bed 
with this woman who was the former communications director for for Governor Cuomo. And beyond that, that Jeff Zucker was feeding Governor Cuomo talking points for those daily press conferences he was running during COVID. And Jeff Zucker was producing them. The CNN. So this idea that we can't have this unseemly relationship between journalists and political operatives is just so much cover. So when when Chris Cuomo said, all right, you're going to take away my 18 million. I'm going to bring out the dirt on your relationship with Governor Cuomo, which is way more damning, I think. And this long-term relationship between the communications director for Cuomo and Jeff Zucker goes back to the 90s. They have been an item that everybody knew about for decades. So all of a sudden, when he decided that he had to resign, it was because there is a merger happening right now. $18 million was at stake, but so was $43 billion. And right now, AT&T is trying to unload Warner, which operates CNN, and they didn't want anything querying that deal. They paid something like $80 billion, and they've been trying to unload it for years. And now they have a $43 billion deal with Discovery. And that is supposed to be finalized in the coming months. And this whole mess was standing in the way. So basically, Zucker was given the word that you're gone. The new people do not want this mess. And so, you know, it looks to me like Cuomo successfully negotiated at least part of his $18 million. It looks like he may get nine. Meanwhile, the whole media world is upset and they are mad that that Zucker, who is their political operative in chief, is gone. He was such a kingpin that this is way more important than it's just a media loss. Now, MSN, PMSN, SMAC is not even reporting the CNN story. They've been blacking it out. Uh, the the There's a story in the Daily Mail online that Trump donor, billionaire John Malone, was the one that insisted on Jeff Zucker's uh, uh, resignation. And um, last night, poor old Don Lemon was damn near crying. I guess he got his hand out of his pants and not putting it up in anybody's face to smell for a few minutes. Well, that's what allegedly he did, and he's still on the air. Um, Yes. And um, uh, uh, so, so... so Don Lemon was crying, and and so some of the other CNN hosts have been crying too about what a leader Zucker was. What a leader! What were their ratings over at CNN? Yeah, they lost. There are two uh, stats that I saw. They lost either ninety percent or seventy five percent of their audience year over year from last year. So Zucker presided over that debacle. Let me just give you a quote from Alison Camerata, which I think is really key. She was talking to the potato, Brian Stelter, and saying, if what you're reporting is true, these are two consenting adults who are both executives, that they can't have a private relationship feels wrong. Even though it's against (laughs) network policy and has been forever. wrong. It's immoral. And their view of wrong is 180 away from what 
most people would think the affair is wrong, but no, the idea that they can't have an affair is wrong when you when you have this media view, you know, that they should be allowed to carry on all their affairs that they want. And apparently they had this relationship going back to the 90s when they were still married and she was a trainee. And so they weren't always two executives. And how did she can become an executive? Katie Court basically said that uh, that this woman, Go Lust, was forced on her on the Today Show by Sucker, which is how she got her start. Hmm. So the fact that she's still there is the question that needs to be asked. If she was the honeypot or whatever you want to call it, if she was the participant in this for a long time, why is she still there? And Zucker had a, had a fall on his sword. That to me is, you know, look, she had just as much conflict of interest as Zucker did when it comes to the Cuomo thing. So there's so still a lot of dirt over at CNN that needs to be cleaned up. They need to yes. mop the place clean. Yes. Now, now, okay, let's take a break, ladies and gentlemen, a quick break, and then we're coming back with Princess Policy because we have yet to go Whoopi Goldberg, the New York Times, the State Department yesterday, and we're going to get to your call. So don't go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, WABC, coming right back. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, is on the air. 77 WABC. Yes, and we have the princess of policy with us, Diana Me. And, uh, Diana, let's, before we get to Whoopi, let me just touch on two stories that came out of MSNBC this week. One, this is a guest that they had on the air that was never pushed back really on. And, of course, she was on that hateful show with that woman who was just totally race-obsessed and bitter and angry about everything. And one of her guests said that MAGA is code. MAGA is code for wanting to lynch or murder black people. Is that what MAGA is about? Well, clearly not. But this is the leftist view whenever Republicans, conservatives succeed at anything and when they're competing. You remember when Biden said that Republicans want to put you back in chains. I mean, this is the kind of thing that I mean, it's almost a boring thing to me because they say stuff like that so frequently and. I think it's actually backfiring on them. I don't think it is in any way uh, taking effect in the population of America. I don't think most people take it seriously or even hear about it. It's just static now. I wonder if David Brinkley and Chet Huntley were still alive, would they want to associate with this network anymore? Probably not. MSNBC lambasted after guest claims unvaccinated children are likely to get serious COVID. And that is that is such misinformation from, quote unquote, the science. And this was on Dr. This was on Andrea Mitchell reports. And guess who it was that said this stuff? Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel. Oh, our old friend who wants people to die except himself. (laughs) Right. And can you explain that remark? Because people won't understand that. He was one of those death panels guys, and, you know, he came up with the idea that once you turn 65, you should basically leave the planet because you're using up resources. And then he turned 65, and he said, well, I'm important. I don't need to leave the planet. (laughs) And he is the brother of? 
Rahm Emanuel, who worked for Obama and is involved in Chicago politics. So, yeah, it's a it's an incestuous, incestuous world, pool. as I keep saying. Yes. Now, Whoopi Goldberg. Poor. Now, I happen to think that Whoopi should not have been suspended for the remark that the one remark that she made after she apologized for it. And after she said she had been educated and understood why her remark was so offensive. And my premise is this. Anybody that works in media, and if you're gonna if you're gonna talk fifteen hours a day, if you I mean a week, if you're gonna talk twenty hours a week, over your career, if it's long enough, you're gonna say something stupid. And I don't think that one remark should mean, okay, here's the guillotine, you're gone, screw your whole career. I just don't think that, especially if you apologize for it and if you explain that You've been whatever your level of ignorance was. You don't have that level of ignorance anymore. So I disagreed with the suspension. I thought that it was a double standard, though. I mean, look at what they did to Roxanne. Look what Disney did to uh, to that woman on Star Wars, Gina. I keep forgetting how to pronounce her last name because she was a Trump supporter and um, and said something in the elections that the lefties didn't like. They just killed the woman off Star Wars. He just got rid of her. And, of course, they got rid of Roseanne, who was one of their big money makers. They put her out to pasture like she was a used, you know, piece of laundry or something. But Whoopi, no, we're just going to suspend you for two weeks. And then Whoopi had a fit, apparently, in the dark, saying she wanted to quit because, you know, they she felt, she felt you know, humiliated by ABC. And now there's a story that recalls, goes back to how Whoopi got the last name Goldberg which is not her real last name. Her real name is Karen Johnson. Right. And she wrote a book, Jewish American Princesses Recipe, that upset people at the time, and people are bringing that up. Your thoughts on Whoopi, The View, and that whole mess over at ABC? Well, I agree with your basic take, which is, as Rush used to say, we're in the arena of ideas. We're in the public well, not I, but you and we Rush and Whoopi <laughs> are basically speaking our minds. And because we're Americans, that is supported by our Constitution. You know, however, with the, you know, I'm not going to say that she should have been suspended. I mean, it's ridiculous. Two weeks. What is the point of two weeks? But the order of what happened, I think, has been forgotten. She said this indefensible thing on her show. Then they issued an apology for her. Clearly, she hadn't read it. So the apology you're quoting is from what she was, her statement. Then she went on one of the late night comedy Colbert. shows and doubled down on what she had said on The View. So this apology was sandwiched in the middle of it. And people kept saying, well, she apologized. Well, she clearly hadn't read it because she went on and basically said the same thing she had said earlier in the day. So I I think the apology was not heartfelt. However, she thinks what she thinks. She should be able to say it and we should be able to criticize her for it. And to me, that's the end of that. All right. Now, Sarah Palin, New York Times. <laughs> First of all, there was something when Sarah Palin came here and said, I have COVID. It was like, okay, they all sneered and mocked. And right. then Sarah Palin had the audacity to go out and get something to eat, and they lost their cookies. And I was rolling, laughing. And then she's going out with some hockey player. And of course, supposedly. yeah, supposedly. So I'm, now I'm on the floor laughing. 
And then the trial starts after all this. And it turns out that, oh, boy, the New York Times does not look good so far in this trial. Yes, they do have some legal risk. The story is that they basically blamed Sarah Palin. This is a years old thing when she had a political pamphlet that had the districts of people that she was targeting, quote unquote, targeting with little target symbols on them. And this was, I think, about six months before Gerald Laughlin, the nutcase in, I believe it was Colorado, actually Ar- shot. Arizona. Uh, Arizona, yes, a shot a, a representative. And Gabby so Giffords. The, Gabby Giffords. And the media linked the two events, which were unlinked, because the motivation of this guy was not political. He was basically mentally ill. And so this had been stated at at the time and debunked. And the New York Times years later in writing uh, an article and in, in publishing an article brought that old canard up again, blaming Sarah Palin for this event. And she finally had had enough. And she considers this actual malice, which is the legal level where the media has to prove that they did not directly with malice go after an individual. Malice is defined as doing it in the in spite of the of the facts that you know. The facts that we all knew at the time the New York Times wrote this, published this, was that Sarah Palin had nothing to do with that shooting. And the New York Times should have and did, according to their internal emails, know that their own internal fact checker basically said, this is not right. We have to specify the timeline of when Sarah Palin's pamphlet came out and when the shooting happened, how far apart they were, and also all the facts surrounding it. And the New York Times ignored their own fact checker and basically went ahead with this accusation anyway. And the evidence is now part of this trial, which is supposed to last two weeks. It's very hard to raise, to, you know, the information to that level. She, uh, Sarah has a hard road to hoe because there are so many protections and precedents for the media. But the Times is in jeopardy in this situation. And I hope they lose. That would be the most important thing ever because it would make them careful in the future. Maybe. They, Maybe. You know, look, and then, you know, lurking behind all this, Project Veritas has a lawsuit with the New York Times that could turn out badly. And if these two things turn out badly, yes. all of a sudden, the New York Times, well, well, well. Now, would be fun. the last of the media week from hell stories, unless, well, there are two more. Why don't you tell us about what happened over at the State Department? Because I didn't know about that until you sent me the story. And you can better <laughs> explain this than I can. This was amazing. <laughs> It was. And even CNN ran the video. And I think if anybody has the opportunity, they should actually go to CNN. And here's the headline heated exchange between State Department official and veteran reporter. This was a media availability of Ned Price, who's the State Department spokesperson, and who's not on camera, but you can hear his voice, AP reporter Matt Lee. 
And basically what happened was the State Department guy comes out and announces that they have intelligence that Russia is going to do a false flag with crisis actors and do this pretext. They're going to create a movie that's a pretext so they can invade Ukraine. And he just declared this, and the AP reporter goes, well, what's the evidence that Putin is uh, planning this? And so the, and Ned Price said, well, I just gave it to you. And the AP guy goes, well, no, you just said it. You just declared <laughs> it. You didn't give us evidence. Well, that's the evidence that all you need. That's how we do it. That's our evidence. And if you're going to side, basically accuse the AP reporter of siding with Russia and giving solace to Russia by because he was questioning the intelligence and wanted to see the evidence. And CNN ran the clip around a story basically saying, how dare you? This is what we journalists do. We ask questions. I mean, it was so refreshing to see an actual journalist asking an actual question and not taking verbatim like they have been stenographers for any Democrat administration. So this was hopefully the beginning of many such exchanges where there is skepticism and there's questions, and that's what should happen. And now, you know, and it was a beautiful video to watch that. When, after you sent it to me, I watched it this morning and hysterical. And you have, And you could almost see the shock on the State Department's uh, guy's face that he's being actually asked, well, what's the evidence? No, your word isn't evidence. You saying something isn't evidence. He looks offended at the very idea. How dare you question me? I'm from the State Department. (laughs) I am the evidence. I am the evidence. Yeah, I am the evidence. No, you're not. You're a spokesperson. And by the way, he failed to show up for the next press briefing on Friday. <laughs> now We'll see when he comes back. He may. Bob Costas, who I will never forget, said something ugly about Rush, and that's when he lost me years ago. Bob Costas is now whining that poor old NBC has the worst hand imaginable with what's going on with the Olympics this year. First of all, I don't give a damn about the Olympics. I'm not going to watch one freaking game. I don't care. I don't want to see the commies. Well, and it's hard to tell who's who. The commies, NBC. Yep. I mean, the commies or American media. They're the same to me. So why would I want to watch any of it? And then you have yeah. Nancy Pelosi out basically saying, don't get mad with the commies. Don't anger the commies. And then poor old Bob Costas is saying, uh, my friends and colleagues at NBC have been dealt the worst hand imaginable by these games. I don't care whether NBC loses their shirt in the Olympics. Do you? I have, I'm on the same page. I refuse to watch any of it because it is glorifying the brutal communist regime of communist China. It is unconscionable that that we're even there and it's doubly unconscionable that nbc is running and talk about stenographers they're running straight out communist propaganda the pageantry the wonderfulness of the chinese hosts it you know they're they're really not saying one word about who these horrible people are and what they're actually doing as far as human rights are concerned and this would be a 
a perfect opportunity for real journalists to actually report on what's going on in China. But no, the money, as I always say, follow the money and follow the Marxism, has changed hands. And we now have a media that is in bed with the communist Chinese. All right, last thing, Diana, and thank you for spending so much time. I wanted to get you in early because this has been, we have not seen the mainstream press in America, the mainstream media, have this kind of week ever. Do you think that the re, do you think that this is going to have some kind of long-lasting effect or is it just a blip? I think it remains to be seen to answer your question with a non-answer, but I I do think it could be a turning point because CNN is now going to have new leadership, new ownership. And they have been the driving force of a lot of this horribleness, as has the New York Times in print media. So if they are brushed back a little bit from their march ahead to forcing communism, which is what I think it is on on the rest of us, I think it could be significant. However, I want to mention, which brings me to what you had said before about organizing and about there. I agreed with every word you said. Very important that we on our side need to have more awareness of what these networks, these spider webs, as you call them, are doing. And we also have to organize ourselves. But there's one thing to add to that. We often think that they are surrounding us and they're all powerful and we've got nothing. And the fact is we have the truth that is what they will never have. Their networks are built on lies. They traffic on lies and they are like a souffle. You poke them and all of that apparent power just collapses on itself. And you know who knew that? Ronald what? Reagan. Mm. The power of the left is only apparent. It's, it's not true. It's not genuine. And they have no moral foundation. And he understood that from the get-go, and that's why he and Lady Thatcher and the Pope at the time, the three of those combined with moral authority and moral arguments and moral power and poked that great beast of the Soviet Union, and it imploded. Now, we didn't use armies. So on our side, the conservative side, we may not have right now the organizational power and we may not have all of the knowledge of the bad stuff they're doing, but we have the truth and we are surrounding them. Well, you know, Diana, I, I and thank you for that. That is just a wonderful exclamation point to to what I was saying. But I am still going to insist that we have, Diana, we have got to start understanding how as a political movement, how to organize and how to organize effectively. And can you imagine organizing with the truth and what that yes. would yield? You're, you're so right about that. But we cannot forget that we, we overpower them. And that's how they feel. They think the media is conservative. They think any time a Republican does anything like go on to a, a, a school council board or to do the election uh, positions in local races, they are out of their minds because 
they know the power and that we have the people behind us. That is the thing. They may be powerful in that they control the levers of power, but they don't have a connection with the voters. The organization is what they have, and there are so few of them. If you notice anything that happens, it's the same people. They control the gates. They control the the, the pressure points of society right now, not forever, uh, but there aren't a lot of them. They're really a small in number. And yes, you're right. To push back, we have to have effective organization. But we also have to know where our real strength comes from the truth. Diana Mee, Princess of Policy, that is why you are the princess and I am your humble servant. Thank you for being with us for so long. (laughs) Thank you, Sir James. This was an extended version on purpose, folks. Sorry we couldn't get to more calls. We are having technical difficulties with phones. However, that added to it as well. But... Um, We had intended to have Diana on for most of the hour because this has been a media week like no other, and her analysis was flawless. And so we'll talk with you next Friday, Friday and Saturday. You can tune in every week and hear the Princess of Policy, Diana Me with James Golden. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, James. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. Time has quickly run out on today's program. And so, yes, this has been Yakalot, James, today. Yakalot, Bo Snurley. I'll be back on Monday, Monday. Hopefully, you know, we'll be back with phones at work and with everything good and James Golden here with you so that we can start another week. Hopefully, our mainstream media will have another week from hell. This has been a delightful week to watch. In the meantime, thanks to the crew in New York who are always, always, always on top of everything. That means Bruce. That means Camelia. That means Scott and me. So, we'll be back on Monday at 4 p.m. Don't miss it. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. We are New York Strong. Please be careful on the roads and the streets. Icy, cold out there. We are America, the greatest nation humanity has ever witnessed. And we'll be back Monday. God bless and protect each and every one of you. Bye.